please pray with me. Lord Jesus, breathe your Holy Spirit upon us as you did upon your disciples, that we may hear your word with, rejoy with joy and respond with gladness this day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Epiphany is the season of light shining in darkness, God making himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a season of divine self-revelation, and not just to God's chosen people, the Jews, but fulfilling his covenant with Abraham by revealing himself to all the nations of the world. That's why the season begins with the arrival of the wise men who journey from a far country to worship the Christ child. And that's why today on the next to last Sunday of Epiphany, we celebrate Mission Sunday. Now I have to admit, it feels a little bit jarring to me to hear this gospel reading at the end of Epiphany because it's a resurrection story. I expect to hear this in Eastertide. And in fact, spoiler alert, you're gonna hear this gospel again on the second Sunday of Easter. But there's a connection here because epiphany, light shining in darkness, God revealing himself, is not just a thing that happened 2,000 years ago. God continues to make himself known in and through the church that Jesus founded, revealing his name and his nature and his love for the nations of the world. And in today's gospel, in a sense, we see that handoff happening. How God's revelation in Jesus, the word made flesh, becomes God's revelation in Jesus through the word proclaimed by his apostles and by those who believe through their testimony. And so today I want us to approach this gospel reading, this passage of Holy Scripture, asking how does that happen? How does Jesus equip his church for mission? It's certainly not what you would call an auspicious beginning from a missional standpoint, right? The disciples, as the scene opens, are literally hiding behind locked doors, shutting out the world. And you can understand why, I think. They've suffered profound grief and loss. The Lord they love was crucified just days ago. They're terrified that the same thing might happen to them or something similarly awful if they're known to be his disciples. And so they've turned in on themselves. It's not just that the doors are locked, you understand. Their hearts are shut in as well. The chances of these guys doing mission would appear to be approximately zero. So what does Jesus do? First of all, and this is obvious, but that doesn't make it any less important, Jesus equips his church for mission by rising from the dead. He comes to them and makes himself known to them. It's an epiphany. God showing forth who he truly is in the person of Jesus. Here are the disciples. We're afraid. People might reject us or mock us or assault us, try to do serious harm. We're anxious. If we talk to these people, we'll just say the wrong thing. 
We'll make the Lord seem foolish. We'll make ourselves look foolish. They might already be a little concerned about that. We've sinned. We feel like failures. Peter just denied Jesus three times. All the disciples fled when the moment came. We've suffered heartbreak and loss. We feel like we don't have anything to offer. And Jesus come and stands among the captives and proclaims good news. He says, you know what, that might all be true. But look. Look. The world has already done its worst to me. Death itself has done its worst to me. But do you see me now? What can they do to me anymore? Death in a sealed tomb couldn't hold him. Don't imagine your locked doors are some kind of impassable barrier. Or that your shut-in hearts are beyond his ability to reach. You may be afraid, but there's something here that's stronger than your fear, a love that won't be constrained. Jesus seeks out the people he loves where we are, and he makes himself known where we are. He shows them his scars. Why? Because this is the good news. The Jesus revealed in radiant glory risen from the dead is the same Jesus who was crucified. He meets us in our suffering. Archbishop William Temple once wrote, the wounds of Christ are his credentials to the suffering race of men. The wounds of Christ are his credentials to the suffering race of men. If we're on mission, friends, this is the message. When we in our sin were far from God and utterly shut in on ourselves, God in his love sent his own son as one of us to enter into our sorrow, to suffer for our sake and on our behalf, to go ahead of us into death and to break its power and bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's good news. Jesus equips his church for mission by rising from the dead and making his risen life known among us. Peace be with you, he says. And then he shows them his hands and his side. Second, Jesus equips his church for mission by sending them out. He said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Having received the risen Lord, the disciples become apostles, meaning those who are sent, who bear witness to what they've seen and heard. But this is absolutely vital. Don't miss this. They don't go alone. Christian mission is always a co-mission. It's mission with. What does Jesus say? As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the same relationship that he has in turn with the disciples. And then he breathes on them his own life. That same life that he handed over to the Father on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now he breathes forth and shares with his beloved friends. He sends them out as bearers of his own presence. And not just his presence, but his power. Look at verse 22. He breathed on them and said to them, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, when we go on mission, we aren't just engaging in some sort of religious marketing scheme, God forbid. There's more happening here than just us sharing our own excitement and hope through a kind of holy gossip, although that's true as far as it goes. When we go into the world in Jesus' name, we bear the divine power of the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit who breathed over the surface of the waters at the dawn of creation, the same Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same life-giving Spirit who calls us out of our own graves of shame and fear and joins us to the Savior and puts his word in our mouths and his joy in our hearts. As Isaiah says, he turns their faint spirits into garments of praise. Jesus equips his church for mission by rising from the dead, by sending them out, and thirdly, by giving them the Holy Spirit. If I can quote Archbishop Temple again, he writes, this is the primary purpose for which the Spirit is given, that we may bear witness to Christ. A church which ceases to be missionary will not be and cannot rightly expect to be spiritual. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that through us, the Holy Spirit can accomplish God's work. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, in our Anglican and Catholic tradition, we understand bishops and priests together with them to exercise that ministry in a particular way on behalf of the church, pronouncing absolution, speaking God's forgiveness with authority over his people. But let's be clear, every member of Christ's church, of his body, participates in his priestly work through the ministry of reconciliation, praying for people, sharing the good news, and bringing those around us to Jesus to be healed and forgiven. This is your work. If Christ's death and resurrection is the message of mission, this is the goal. Proclaiming the risen Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit so that men and women can be delivered from bondage to sin and restored to fullness of life in God. How does Jesus equip his church for a mission? He rises from the dead and makes himself known among them. He sends them out in his name. He gives them his presence and power through the Holy Spirit And then finally, when they take a first small step of obedience and bear witness to their friend Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Jesus himself confirms their witness. It probably shouldn't surprise us that the disciples' first venture into sharing the good news initially seems like a failure. Thomas is utterly unconvinced. He's not having it. Until... Jesus once again makes himself known. It's the same story all over again. Upstairs room, locked doors, and Jesus saying, peace be with you. And meeting Thomas in his doubt, in his fear, in his sorrow, put your fingers here and see my hands. Put out your hand, put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving anymore, but believe. The disciples don't talk Thomas into believing. That's clearly not going to work out. Jesus wins Thomas for himself. I think often we hold back from mission because we're so aware of our own inadequacies. 
I've denied Jesus. I struggle with faith. I don't know the right words. I don't have answers for all the hard questions. How can I convert anybody? And you know what? You're right. You can't convert anybody. Or at least, if you do convert someone in your own power, it's a near certainty that you're converting them to something other than Jesus. But when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves with power. When we're faithful to bear witness to what we've seen and heard, Jesus is faithful to draw people to himself. New creation is his work. Ours is to share good news. And this is where it starts. Look at the last verse of this reading from John 20. These things have been written, it says, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. To be a Christian is to be on mission. This is where it starts. This is the first step. Trust Jesus. In the shadow of our own doubts, in the midst of our own suffering and sorrow, in the face of our own fears and anxieties, True Christian mission starts and only becomes possible as we entrust ourselves to this risen Lord in whom God makes himself known to us. Look, I want to be honest with y'all. I'm terrible at this, all right? This is probably not a thing I should be saying in front of the bishop, but here we go. I don't feel full of confidence and competence when I'm talking about Jesus to people who don't yet know Jesus. Quite the opposite. I'm like the disciples. I get caught up in fear. I overthink it. I worry, what, do I, what if I say the wrong thing? But when I think about moments when God has broken through, I'm reminded particularly of one summer some years ago. This was when I was in seminary, and as part of my training, I spent a summer as essentially an intern hospital chaplain. Now, I was not ordained, but my job meant that I went into loads of people's hospital rooms and asked them how they were doing. And then I asked if I could pray for them. And I'm quite certain that sometimes I missed opportunities and sometimes I said the wrong thing, but it was amazing some of the ways that God worked and showed up when I just allowed myself to be with people in their grief or their fear or their need or their uncertainty and through prayer offered them to Jesus. So I wanna challenge you all to do something this week, all right? I want you to find at least one person, someone who doesn't go to Christ Church, and you can tell them, hey, our church is trying to practice ways of showing the love of Jesus to people. How can I pray for you? Is there a way I can pray for you? And then if they tell you something they need prayer for, I want you to actually do it right there. Like pray with them. It may feel weird. It may be a little awkward. It's fine. I had a couple I'd never met in my life come up to me in HEB a few years ago and ask for prayer. We were doing anointing and laying on of hands in the cat food aisle. It was pretty strange. But it was really cool. Jesus showed up. The Holy Spirit moved. Ask someone, 
How can I pray for you? And then tell me next week how it goes. If you want, you can ask me next week if I did it. Hold me accountable. Let's encourage one another. It's so easy to find ourselves hiding behind locked doors. But today, again, this Jesus who has triumphed over death comes among us with his wounds, with his glory. He breathes on us. He bestows the gift of the Holy Spirit on us. And he sends us out in his name with the message of salvation, with the ministry of reconciliation. He calls us to trust in him, that believing we may have life in his name and share that life with others through our words and our deeds and our prayers. I wanna close with a prayer for the mission of the church. This is found in the prayer book if you wanna look it up later. It's in Occasional Prayers number 17. But I'd ask you, would, would you enter into this prayer with me now? Oh God, our Heavenly Father, you manifested your love by sending your only begotten Son into the world that all might live through him. Pour out your spirit on your church that we may fulfill his command to preach the gospel to all people. Send forth laborers into your harvest. Defend them in all dangers and temptations and hasten the time when the fullness of the Gentiles shall be gathered in and faithful Israel shall be saved. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.